The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Alumni Ventures. Invest with confidence. Discover the power of venture investing with Alumni Ventures, America's largest venture firm for individual investors. Learn more at av.vc. Hello, my friend, and welcome to another episode of Negotiate Anything. Thanks for spending time with us today. It's listeners like you in 181 different countries that have made Negotiate Anything the most popular negotiation and conflict resolution podcast in the world. I'm your host, Kwame Christian. I'm a business lawyer, mediator, professor, and the director of the American Negotiation Institute. Before we get started, I have two quick questions for you. Is negotiation a critical part of what you do? Do you need to resolve conflict and persuade at work? If you answered yes to both of those questions, visit our website to learn more about our negotiation workshops. We've traveled the country working with professionals just like you, and we'd love to have the opportunity to work with you too. Check out the link in the description to learn more. Yvette, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. We're really excited. You've been a friend and mentor for many years, and so it is an honor to, <laughs> to have you on the show. What's an honor for me? Because I remember when you showed up as a first-year law student, and to see you, not even before that, I think I met you when you were in college before you even went to law school. You were in a summer internship program. That's right. And so to see you from that place to this, it is really, really inspiring, and I, I'm really grateful to be able to watch your success. Well, thank you. That means a lot. Well, how about we start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? So I am a native Columbus, Ohio person, uh, one of the few here. And I've been a lawyer for 35 years. And I like to say I've done about everything you can do with a law degree. I started off at the state attorney general's office, trying cases. I was a trial court judge for nine years. Then I went in-house at Nationwide Children's Hospital, where I created a center for abused children and also oversaw our behavioral health services. And then I ran for lieutenant governor, was on the Ohio Supreme Court, and now I'm a partner at Jones Day. Yes. So... (laughs) Listeners, now you see <laughs> why this this interview is long overdue. Yes, we are very, very excited for this one. So today we're going to talk about conflict yes. and how to effectively address conflict. Mm-hmm. And the three points we're going to address are presenting the conflict, assuming innocence in the other side's position, and focusing on not taking the bait. I yes. really like that last one. Yes. So let's start off with presenting the conflict. Mm-hmm. Tell us more about that. So oftentimes when people are stressed or they have um, emotional issues they feel very strongly about, they aren't communicating very effectively, right? It's all anger and emotions, sometimes tears. Um, they get frustrated. And so when you're presenting a conflict, and from my my days as a trial court judge, you see this all the time, people would come in and they're loaded for bear, right? They, they've got a point of view and they just want to share it. And Part of resolving conflict is coming in in a rational way, because if people think you're crazy, they tune you off. And I often say to young people that in trying to resolve any problem, you can't resolve something if the other side stops listening. And when you approach people in an aggressive way, you're highly emotional, your arguments aren't logical. It's very easy for people to discount you and just to stop listening. Yeah, I I really appreciate this point um, because 
especially as it relates to the the idea of listening, mm-hmm. but saying things in a way that can actually inspire the other side yes. to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about first impressions, they're really hard to overcome. Mm-hmm. And we always think about first impressions as it relates to just interactions with people. Yes. But when we think about that same science of first impressions and we put it to individual conversations, mm-hmm. our first impression of this conversation might be, Man, Kwame's crazy. I'm done with him. Yes. <laughs> right well, now. think about that when you're sitting in a meeting. <laughs> Sometimes you're sitting in a meeting and somebody has said something that really ticks you off. And I have found, and believe me, I was not perfect at this early in my career, but I have found that sometimes instead of feeling like you have to express that right now, it's better to just sit with it for a minute. Let that person conclude whatever their thought is. And for you to gather a way in which you can articulate your displeasure without it coming across in anger, right? So if you can say to somebody in a very fact-based way, and you see that a lot in corporations where people get huffy because somebody doesn't like their idea, or they think that somebody is um, being dismissive of them. If you respond in an emotional way, you've proven the point. But if you sit with it for a minute, hear what they're saying, give them a chance to finish their thought while you're gathering your thought, and then come back at them with facts and logical reasons as to why their statement is incorrect. Don't attack them personally. Attack the position they've taken. I love it. It it makes a lot of sense. And um, in these situations, obviously, this is it's easier said than done. Oh, my gosh. Right. So what are those things that we can do to make sure that if we're in a difficult conversation, we don't approach it too emotional too soon? Well, one is to pick the time for the conversation. It's sometimes we feel that we need to respond immediately, and sometimes that's not the best time to respond. So you have to, for yourself, think about, I need to address this, but am I in the right frame of mind to address it in a way that's going to be productive? So if you feel your your face getting red or your breath is getting, you know, fast and you're getting really angry, no matter how passionate you feel about it in the moment, it's probably not the best time to address it. Second, you gain nothing by embarrassing the other person. Mm-hmm. So if you need to have a difficult conversation, sometimes it's better to have what I call those closed door conversations where you walk in their office and say, I need to talk to you. You've calmed down. Your breath is even. Your face isn't red. You're not sweaty or hostile. You're just walking in saying, can we have a conversation? And then you explain to that person why whatever they did or said or how they made you feel in that moment was not okay. And you say it to them in a way that they can actually process it and be like, I didn't realize I did that. And you don't embarrass them in the room. Right. It's not important to have an audience. It's important to have resolution. Absolutely. Oh, so this is great. So let's break those two things down. Mm -hmm. So the first thing was timing, Mm -hmm. making sure that you're approaching it at the right time. Then the second thing is essentially picking the right turf for the conversation. And um, the thing that I like to talk about with regard to timing is you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Once it's out, you can't put it back in. And you can't think clearly when you're emotional. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, at the time, 
you feel as though the way that you're seeing the world is crystal clear and there couldn't be anything That's else. Right. And the more I realize sometimes that the more certain I am when I'm emotional, the more I realize I'm probably wrong about something. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so, but I can't in the moment figure out what it mm-hmm. is. Where am I wrong? I can't figure it out. So the question I ask myself is, what happens if I say this thing that I want to say at a later date? Mm-hmm. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe in a few minutes, Mm -hmm. maybe in an hour. Mm -hmm. What happens? Do I lose anything? Most of the time, it's not that pressing that you lose something by Mm -hmm. waiting a little bit. And then what I find is that if I sleep on it, I I say to myself, my goodness, if I would have said that (laughs) at that time, it would have been horrible. And sometimes it's cultural, right? I grew up in a family and in a a community as, as a black woman where you didn't let somebody get advantage. You had to strike back, right? What you learn as you mature is that doesn't always make you look good, though. If you feel like you got to be the person to hit hardest, that you got to make sure that nobody disrespects you or walks out of the room, you end up looking small. You know, a few years ago, I was in South Africa, and I'll never forget this. I had a taxi driver, and I said to him, you know, in 1992, I said, you're about my age. And in 1992, when Mandela took office, suddenly you go from being a a half citizen to being a full citizen. How did you deal with that? How did you go from having no rights and then Mandela becomes president in 93 and suddenly you have rights? He said, it was really Mandela. And I think about this all the time now. He said, when Mandela gave his speech as president, he said, we are not going to be trying to pay people back for the years that we've lost. He said, an angry man cannot think. We will not be angry men. And I think about that because it's exactly what you said. When we give in to emotion and anger, we are not our best selves. And we are not looking for a solution. We're looking to lay on you all of that anger that we feel for whatever slight we think you've delivered. At the end of the day, it changes nothing. Yep. And, you know, to that point, I'm reading a book right now where they talk about resentment and revenge and how when you're frustrated and you're really, really angry, mm-hmm. that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And then you trick yourself into believing that you're doing this in order to protect yourself mm-hmm. or to make a situation better. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between resentment mm-hmm. and conviction. Yes. And so if you are in uh, acting in accordance to w- with conviction with to your values, you might do something that harms somebody else, but you're doing it for a greater good. So mm-hmm. for instance, if you're a police officer mm-hmm. arresting somebody, mm-hmm. does not improve their life. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you're doing that because mm-hmm. you're protecting the community. Mm-hmm. And so when you realize that for yourself, if you're moving in a direction towards revenge, even if you're successful, mm-hmm. you can't be successful in um, successfully uh, accomplishing the revenge yes. without diminishing yourself in the process. That's exactly right. And you don't you don't get what you want in the end. You know, one of, I often tell this story when I was a trial court judge, I had this guy come in and it was clear he didn't want me on his case. It was a custody case, a divorce. And his lawyer stands up and says, my client um would like custody of his children because his wife is dating a black man and he doesn't believe that black people have the right morals for his children and so he needs to protect them now i had a i had two options right i could have reacted in the moment and blew my top 
And then I would have had to recuse myself as his judge. What I decided to do instead was say, okay, he wants custody of the children based on his belief that black people are not fit to raise children. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to appoint a lawyer, a guardian ad litem for the children. The husband's going to pay for that. I am going to have each of the parties, the husband, the wife, and the children submit to a psychological evaluation. The father will pay for that as well. If the father's view sustains, then I will allocate those costs between he and his wife. But if the father's viewpoint is not correct, then he will bear the burden of assuming all of those costs. As soon as he's made his deposit with the court, we will proceed to get those evaluations set up. As I was as calmly as I'm talking to you now. His lawyer looked at me and said, may I have a few minutes with my client? <laughs> <laughs> and miraculously, wow. they came back and settled the case. So what I saw clearly was that his lawyer was trying to get a rise out of me so that then he could say I was biased and I had to recuse myself from the case. I wasn't going to give him that satisfaction. And so to your earlier point, you've got to decide what's more important to you. Is it showing off in the moment or accomplishing your greater goal? Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know that in addition to our usual negotiation and conflict resolution focused trainings that we do for corporations, we also have added content focused on how to have difficult conversations about race. And so what we're doing is we're blending my background in civil rights along with my background in negotiation and conflict resolution to create a one-of-a-kind training that is customized for your organization that helps you get through these difficult conversations. If you're interested, make sure to check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the episode. Hey you, I'm Andrew Seaman. Do you want a new job? Or do you want to move forward in your career? Well, you should listen to my weekly show called Get Hired with Andrew Seaman. We talk about it all. And it's waiting for you, yes you, wherever you get your podcasts. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. Higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Right. And so it, for you in, in that situation, it's am I moving against something or am I moving for something? That's right. right. And you handled it flawlessly. Yeah. And uh, this this almost is a perfect segue to number three, but I'll put a pin in it. But essentially, the, he was laying out some bait. He uh -huh. wanted you to take it. That's exactly and, right. And um, you recognized the game and you stayed mm -hmm. calm. I, That's right. It's a brilliant example. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Let's move on to the, the second one. Ooh, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> This is great. All right. Well, I feel like we could spend all of our time <laughs> digging into that and going into the war stories. But for the sake of the audience, uh, we'll move on to the second one, uh, the second point, which is assuming innocence in the other side's position. Mm -hmm. Now, for uh, somebody who might be hearing this for the first time, they might say, but Yvette, they're the bad guys. Mm -hmm. If I assume innocence, am I losing a strategic edge? What is the value? 
Well, I, I think we've come to a point in our society where we don't accept that people can be good people and just hold different viewpoints, right? So it's very easy for me, particularly in this hyper-political climate that we live in right now, for me to say, if you hold these views, you are a bad person. And so therefore, I don't like you because you're bad. If we step back from that and say people come into every environment with different life experiences, different feelings, um, different opinions, so that if you think differently from me, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means your life experience is different from mine. And so the way you look at the world is different from the way I look at the world. And so if I'm going to assume that you're not a bad person, you may be misinformed. Right. You may be mistaken, but you're not bad. Then that allows me to, one, hear, why do you think the way that you think? And to allow you the space to hear why I think the way that I think. It is possible that two really good ethical people with good character can hold diametrically opposed viewpoints, but can have a civil conversation about why they hold those viewpoints. And what you'll typically find is that we are all shaped by our backgrounds, our environment, and our experiences. And if you talk to somebody long enough, invariably, you will find some shared common ground. It may not get you all the way to the other person's point of view, but at least gets you to the ability to understand why they think that. And if you can understand why they hold a certain position, it makes it easier for you to work with them. Yep. This is great because, on like I said at the, the beginning, on the surface, people might believe that you're giving up a strategic advantage when you see them as the enemy. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying is that not only are you doing this for their sake, but it confers a significant advantage for yourself. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Because you're the bigger person, right? Mm-hmm. If somebody is coming at you and they're emotional and you can sit back and say, oh, okay, if you calm down, we can talk about X. Mm-hmm. It puts you in a position of strength, not weakness. Right. The uh, the thing that um, comes to mind in, in my book, I have a section called The Benefit of the Benefit of the Doubt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I talked about this thing exactly. Yes. And one of the things that I, I like to consider when I'm having a difficult conversation like this is when somebody says something that I think is just, uh, just indefensible, mm-hmm. can't understand it, um, I say to myself, hmm. That's interesting. I wanted to spark curiosity Mm -hmm. because instead of taking offense, if I Mm -hmm. take that same energy and say, I want to figure out why they think this way, Mm -hmm. that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Then it puts you at an advantage because you can have deeper levels of conversation, Mm -hmm. more understanding. Yep. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Well, perfect. And with that, I want to roll on to the last one, which is not taking the bait Mm -hmm. in the conversation. And we've touched on this, Mm -hmm. but let's, let's get deeper. Mm -hmm. And as women, we face that all the time, all the time. I was literally with a colleague a few months ago and we're meeting with a client and she, she tells me after dinner, she said, I was constantly under the table, moving his hand (laughs) off my knee. I'm like, I'm like, are you serious? I said, your facial expression didn't change at all. She's like, yeah. She said, at first I was like, oh, he just must be mistaken. She's like, but by the fourth time she said, I'm like, he's clear. That's my knee. (laughs) But, but instead of her reacting, because we were in a professional meeting with the client, there was, you know, more than one of them there. She just kept politely 
moving his hand off of her knee every time that he did that. I think as a lot of times, as as women or individuals, any of us can find ourselves in situations that are just not comfortable. And you have to decide in the moment, because I've been in situations like that, where with another woman who literally just lost it, and she exploded in the middle of this meeting, and it wasn't even something like that. And it cut the whole meeting off. Mm -hmm. And so she walked out of there. She became highly emotional. She froze any conversation and she ended up looking like the crazy person. Right. Mm -hmm. So even no matter what situation you're in, when you don't rise to the bait, you give yourself a chance to, to handle it with dignity and character. You're absolutely right. That first of all, deeply disturbing, but this is really interesting because it takes a, a very strong person to be able to maintain equanimity under duress Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. so going into the conversations what type of preparation can you do to make sure that you're not taking the bait well i think you're never going to know when you're in the moment i think what you have to do is you said this earlier about having your own character and your own confidence um you have to be confident enough in yourself that when you're in stressful situations or something comes up unexpected that you focus immediately on what's the goal to achieve, right? Mm -hmm. And particularly when you're in business, because (laughs) it's like people can sense fear. So if you're in a business negotiation and you have something that you need to get done, somebody can take you off your game by referring to you as sweetheart or gal or honey or any any kind of word to minimize or try to marginalize you in the space you ta- if you rise to that bait you've lost your advantage mm. whereas if you just keep moving on you can correct them um, and you can keep moving on to get your objective accomplished. Right. And this, I, I love this example because, um, this is something that we've touched on in some of the sparring sessions where I put on my misogynistic hat and, um, and really go, uh, get ridiculous mm-hmm. in these conversations, but it happens. That's right. And so there, there are multiple ways of approaching it. I know, um, Lindsay Karras Stencil was a guest mm-hmm. and, um, in, in hers, she, um, handled it head on. Yes. Um, and then, and Jamie Lieberman was mm-hmm. the most recent guest that had to <laughs> go through that. Mm-hmm. And she politely corrected them. Mm-hmm. And so in your experience, and I know this is tough without a very clear example, mm-hmm. how do you determine which is the best way to address it in the moment? So an example that I use, and we talked about it briefly, is that um, when I was the chief counsel of the Department of Corrections, I looked to see if there's malevolence behind it. Um, I had a warden who was 64. I was 27. I was giving him legal advice and he kept referring to me as gal. And I remember when I walked out of the room, one of my colleagues said, why didn't you say something to him about that? Because in the moment, it wasn't important. He wasn't using gal as pejorative. It's just how he spoke. And I wasn't in that limited time I had with him and I needed to get him to do something. I wasn't going to change his use of that word. So it was more important for me to get the conclusion I needed than to say to him, don't be calling me gal Mm -hmm. because he didn't mean it (laughs) offensively. So what I try to judge is, is somebody saying something because that's just how they speak or because they're doing it to try to marginalize me in the space. And if somebody is trying to marginalize me, then that's when I will say to them, my name is, 
and I would appreciate you calling me by my name. Sometimes I'll say it's judged to you and I'll kind of chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> but I think you have to figure out, is this somebody who is trying to, in the moment, gain advantage by making you feel small? Right. Or is it just somebody, they're Southern or they're old um, or they're just not used to dealing with women or people of color? Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And that, that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, that happens. I, I know as a mediator, um, I remember one time I went, <laughs> went into a mediation and um, I, we're supposed to ask every time, have you ever been in mediation before? And this guy said, oh, well, last time I was in mediation, it was 35 years ago. And you were probably this big. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, here, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh-huh. But again, kind of reading the room, understanding mm-hmm. the situation. The It was just me and him. Mm-hmm. His client wasn't present. Opposing mm-hmm. counsel wasn't present. We had a good rapport. Mm-hmm. That wasn't trying to get that's any right. type of advantage. I'll let it slide. It was a joke. Honestly, it mm-hmm. was funny. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> but it's about picking your battles and recognizing if it is mm-hmm. even a battle. Well, and you know, like we talked about earlier, we've got to get past this microaggression or that's a trigger word for me or you said this or you. We've got to get a little tougher skin. You know, people... People say things, some, they, they sometimes don't mean offense. It comes out wrong, but let's not make everything a battle. Let's not say everything is, I've got to correct you. You can't talk to me that way. That's just ridiculous. Right. Well, think about what you're doing. You're handing yeah. them the control and, and you're making yourself very predictable. That's right. Oh, okay. Watch, watch this. Hey guys, watch this. Right. Kwame freaks out if you say this. Uh-huh. And boom. And now they're controlling me. That's now right. you're on a leash. That's and so right. I, the way I look at it, I want to be in control at all times. That's and right. by allowing people to get under your skin in that way, mm-hmm. like you said, not taking the bait, you, you have to maintain that. Yep. Well, perfect. Well, th- this has been fantastic. And um, thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, hopefully uh, we can have you back on. <laughs> again. Be soon. my pleasure. Thank you. Congratulations. You've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.